Well, praise the Lord. Amen. It's been a great day. It's always a hectic time during Christmas. There are a lot of things going on. But, uh, hey, it's Christmas. 21 more days to enjoy and relish the fact that we get to celebrate our Savior's birth. We're very blessed today. Uh, and I, I really was going to meet a little earlier and find out a little bit more just details. But we have uh, our missionaries from Costa Rica, uh, the Briley's. Where, where are you all at? Okay, come on down, uh, brother. Or if both of y'all come down, whichever one, however y'all want to do that. He's going to do it. Brother Dale Briley. Uh, I've been here going on 19 years, and we supported him uh, back then, and we still support him. He's been a faithful man of God, and uh, he's done a tremendous work. He, and not only he, but his family, all of them have done a tremendous work in uh, uh, Costa Rica. And I've asked him just to share a few things this morning, just to share with us, keep us updated. He's here. We don't get to see him very often, uh, but knowing that he has been faithful. I, I want to tell you, uh, God has allowed us to support some missionaries that are on the firing line. And uh, I just thank God for this family. Praise the Lord. And incidentally, this is Clark and uh, Marilyn Sexton's son-in-law and daughter back there, okay? So that's special to us also. Brother Brian? Yes, and uh, boy, this church is very special to us because my wife got saved at this church when she was 11 years old. That is when it was still called Temple Baptist, but she trusted Christ her Savior as an 11-year-old young lady in this church, so it's very, very special to us, all this, uh, uh, this church is and continues to do. And now you're for the, uh, we've been now 29 years in Costa Rica, Central America. That's fruit of you there in Costa Rica, Central America. Our son just got married in California so we, uh, in October, so we were up here in the States at this time, and we'll be going back tomorrow. And when we go back to Costa Rica, <laughs> I love my people. I want to be with them. And in this Christmas season, when you and I can celebrate the coming and the beautiful songs and the worship of Jesus Christ here, the fact that he, Emmanuel, came, God came and was with us to pay for my sin and your sin so that we could be saved from hell and have eternal life. We want to take that same message to all those there in Costa Rica, Central America. Over the years, God has blessed greatly, allowing us to have a part in the ministry there in Costa Rica. And right now, we're going to go back to the uh, Iglesia Bilica Bautista San Felipe, the St. Philip Baptist Church. That is the, the area where we're working in right now. It's called St. Philip. And so that's why we call it St. Philip Baptist Church. But we're going to go back there. We just had a young man, 20 years old. Uh, God's called him to preach, and he is now in seminary and uh, some friends in Mexico with a seminary there. And God just keeps producing fruit. The man that's now pastoring the church where we are now, I want to tell you this testimony real quick. Uh, we were, before we were bringing people from across a river. There was, we were going about like uh, 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 10 miles uh, on the other side of a river, bringing people back uh, uh, to this side of the river, so to speak, or literally, uh, into the meeting where we were. And so we wanted to try to be able to meet with the people across the river more often. And so we rented a, uh, used a, what they call a saloon comunal, or a community center uh, in, across the river. And on a Friday evening, that man, he was 18 years old, got off work, construction job, and he came and all tired and wet and uh, uh, sweaty and uh, wet from sweat, that is. And uh, he came to our service that night and trusted Christ as his Savior. That's been now 
uh, 20 years ago. Uh, excuse me, 18 years ago. He's now 36 years old. And that fruit now, his, his son now, God's called to preach. So that's a multiplied fruit. And then not only that has God called his son to preach, but there in the church recently, I was standing there. This preacher was standing there who got saved in that meeting when he was 18 years old. Now it's been 18 years later. And right there, his, another son of his who is, who is now uh, uh, 16 years old, and he faithfully goes with me, winning people to Christ, visiting people, bringing people to church. And when he was just 11 years old, he won a fellow classmate to Christ in school. And so now that young man who was won to Christ in school by his friend, earlier this year, that boy who is now 16 years old, he won his mother to Christ. <laughs> And she was now at the church. So in this photo, though, standing there was me, and then there was this man, uh, our, our pastor there, uh, uh, Jorge Ulloa. There was his young son, teenage son, who we, he's uh, serving the Lord, winning people to Christ. And then there was the friend of his son, and then there was the mother of the friend. And it's like I was a great-great-granddaddy of folks who had been won to Christ. But that's just one example. Over and over, I could even go back here. Thank the Lord. Uh, years ago, there was a young man in uh, Marshall, Texas, uh, that was one to Christ there in Marshall, Texas. God called him to preach, and he ends up going off to Moody Bible Institute there at Moody Bible, and he earns a doctor's degree at Moody Bible Institute, and God's moved him now to start a church on the south side of Chicago. But they've been going now for a number of years, such that they contacted me in Costa Rica and said, Brother Briley, we want you to come preach for us in Chicago. So they flew, us up, flew me up to Chicago there to preach for them in Chicago. But that's fruit of even before. Amen? And we thank God for the fruit and the, the fruit that remains even more. And every part of it, you have a part in. Now, in, uh, ending closing, this very simply, I want to encourage you to this. Come visit us in Costa Rica. I, we'd gladly have you. We have many people come and visit down there. We have a group from Shreveport uh, coming down in April. We'd love to have you come and visit any time. We'll gladly host you there in our home. And uh, you'll love it to see in the mission field firsthand there. But everybody that's been one to Christ there in Costa Rica this morning in the wonderful Sunday school class I was in, uh, uh, we uh, Walton, excuse me, I was fixing to say Walter, uh, with Miss Walton. And in the classes, I told them, they are, I showed them slides and pictures of, and videos of the work there in Costa Rica. And they're right there with us in those videos. Through your faithful giving and prayers to send us to the mission field, you are right there with us. And there'll be plenty of Costa Ricans one day to find you in heaven to look you up and say, thank you for sending the Brileys to Costa Rica to bring us the good news of Jesus Christ. And we thank you wholeheartedly. Come visit us. We will be returning to Costa Rica tomorrow. We'll be arriving in Costa Rica on Tuesday. And you're there with us. Preacher. God doing some exciting things all over the world. I got pictures this week of the money you sent to uh, Kenya. They're wiring the building up and getting the floor in. Uh, you know, the devil's always working just as we sent them the money. They had major floods down there and flooded the whole building and everything. 
but uh, God's always working. And I thank God we've got missionaries like Dale and his wife uh, in, in, I think, what, 13, 14 countries now. Uh, plus, through the cooperative program, we have 3,500 other missionaries. But Christmas is about missions. I remember somebody years ago got up in our church and asked about in the budget time. And incidentally, this is budget time. You need to vote today. Uh, when we were ever going to get Lottie Moon paid off. And I said, bless God, I don't know. We've been paying on her a long time since 1925. <laughs> Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And uh, we'll find out if your prayers are any good or not. If you're praying, we're going to get through. If not, we won't. So uh, you better get on the line with the Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 36. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Amen? And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. And there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. Father, thank you today how blessed we are with these children who've been dedicated, committed to you. How blessed to hear the Briley's today. And Lord, we're just blessed to be in your house praising you and worshiping you. Now, would you have your way in our lives today? God, we need you. We need you more than ever. Lord, have mercy. Would you just... Uh, let your spirit have freedom today to do as he pleases, to touch hearts and to, to make uh, folks be saved today in this place. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A psychologist told me one time that he found the perfect formula for getting through Christmas. It was simply this. You put your mind in neutral and go where you're shoved. That, that's kind of funny, and he was laughing about it too, but sometimes you ever feel that way, that you've just been shoved from one side to the other and one place to the other, and it's rush and it's loud, and it, it just seems to never end. Listen, don't let that happen to you. Don't endure this season. Enjoy it. Relish it. Ce uh, celebrate it. Savor it. Learn from it. Share it. Uh, I'm praying that every day during December, just like we did during November, every day was a Thanksgiving day. Every day in December ought to be a Jesus day. We ought to be sharing Jesus with somebody, sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to look at uh, 
uh, this is, starts a series today, uh, and that's the introduction. So it's kind of like baloney. You can cut it off wherever I need to. Uh, but uh, all I want for Christmas, all I want for Christmas, if I say that to you, some of you immediately would want some front teeth. Some of you'd want any teeth, I guess. Front teeth, back teeth, whatever. But all I want for Christmas, or I want to use a little different spin, I want us to look today, all I want for Christmas is hope. And then we're going to look at all I want for Christmas is peace. And then we're going to look at all I want for Christmas is joy. And on Christmas Day, we're going to look at all I want for Christmas is my dear Savior. And it's going to be a glorious month. Hope you can be here at every one of these uh, times that we worship together. We're going to have a different Lord's Supper than you've ever had before in your life. It is going to be totally different on the 21st. I hope you can be here for that. But I want you to compare Mary and Isaiah just for a few moments this morning and kind of parallel them because both of them uh, have a lot in common to teach us about hope. All I want for Christmas is hope. Uh, Isaiah lived in tough times. His people were under attack during those times. They had gotten away from God. Isaiah understood that the only way his nation would be able to make it was if they turned once again to God. We need to understand that in America today. We've gotten away from God. The only way this nation is going to continue to prosper and be blessed is if we turn back to God. And I'm not talking about the United States turning back to God. That doesn't make any difference. I'm talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ turning back to God, getting back serious with the things that really matter in our lives. We've got too much fluff. We've got too much junk. We need to get back where Jesus is the center of our life and the very center of our church and everything else. Uh, that was the only hope. And he called a prophet named Isaiah to go. And Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Now, when you get to Mary, it's even more dramatic. Uh, it, it, she had so much to teach us about real faith. We could be here all day talking about that. When you see Mary's picture on cards and, and Christmas pageants and everything, she looks so serene and so uh, just, just lovely. And you just think, wow, you know, what a couple and, and all of that. But would, could you think with me just a moment about what she had to go through? Huh? I mean, it had to be difficult. The whisperings behind her back. I mean, you, can you imagine what went on at the beauty parlor that week? Now, guys, don't laugh because I've been at them Monday morning coffees. I tell you, they're almost as bad as the beauty parlors. The pointed fingers, the false accusations, the raised eyebrows, the, the, Christ, the questions they had, the gossip, the criticism, the family pressure, the crude jokes, the laughter, the poverty, the taxes, and on top of all that, she's traveling on a donkey when she don't have no business traveling at all. And then you get there, and she's having a baby in a stable with no doctor, no midwife, no medicine, no anesthetic. All she's got, when you get down to the bottom of it, all she's got is faith and trust in Jesus. That's all she's got. She's got faith and trust in God. And that's all she's got. Now, the Bible says that by her hope and her faith, the Bible says that the angel appeared uh, and, and said this, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you've been found favor with God. Behold, you'll conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior 
of the world. And all of this is going to happen without her ever having known a man. Now, you just be honest. What would your reaction be to that? Hmm? I mean, what would you say? You'd say exactly what these other people said. It's a tough situation. And yet, she had hope. Now, let me give, give you three things quickly. Number one is this. Mary and Isaiah were people of great hope because they heard the voice of God. You see, you, 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 you can't have hope if you don't hear the voice of God. This country can't give you hope. We, we need to be real about some things. Our government and the people we've got working up, we don't know whether they're for us or against us. We're as crooked as the rest of them, crooked as a dog's hind leg. You say, don't talk about America like that. I've talked about some of our leaders. You tell me when we throw out the word of God and we, we stand up and openly want to murder babies and we, we're opposed to every living thing that the word of God stands for and then we're supposed to say, God, you know, we love you, just bless America. We can't even do that in the church today. They, they were in tune with God. They heard the message of God. You see, if we're not careful, we get so caught up in our work and our schedules and our playing and, and this and that and the children and the, all the different activities and everything, and we get disconnected to God. 1870, the Methodists had uh, uh, in Indiana their annual conference. And uh, back in the 1870s, now Methodists were firecrackers. They were on fire for God. And a young college president was speaking. And he was, boy, he was excited. He was young, you know, and everything. And, and he made this statement. He said that in the next 20 to 30 years, these are exciting days to be living. Things are going to change greatly. And... Now, you know better than to interrupt me when I'm preaching. But if the bishop is there, he can interrupt the preacher. And the bishop of the entire Methodist Association was there, and he said, son, wait a minute. What do you mean things are going to change? He said, I'm telling you, I believe things are going to change greatly. He said, well, tell us one of those things. He said, I believe in the next years that we're going to be able to fly like birds. And the bishop said, son, that's heresy. Sit down right now. This is ended right now. He shut the whole thing down. They left and went home from the annual convention that day. True story. The bishop's last name was Wright. He went home to his boys, Orville and Wilbur. <laughs> that's a true story. You, you can sit here and say, I ain't I, a Baptist song. I shall not be moved like a tree planted by the river. You ain't going to move me. And I'm telling you, this world's changing fast. God don't have to worry about moving me. I'm ready to fly out of here any given minute. When he calls, I'm there. Now, that's somebody that was not connected to the world. Think with me about this connection may have been a Sunday school party. It may have been a, uh, a family reunion was what I really had in mind because I've seen it there, but I've seen it at Sunday school parties and fellowships and all too. 
And usually it's at a family reunion because my wife's the one that says, shh, children are asleep. You know, we get, you know, about this size here, and I'm talking about her family. And I know I'm joking, but you know, I'm talking about my family. It's not her family, it's my family. And we're about this many right here, and we're loud. We get in each other's face, and we, we play 42. We holler at each other, call each other idiots, and, you know, we, we're loud. And, and, the, and the babies are there. And when the babies get complaining and griping, they take the baby to another room. We call it a Baptist pallet. They put a little pallet out on the floor and put the baby down, and the baby goes to sleep. And then we go on and we get to eat. We don't have to hear the baby or anything. We get to fellowship. We get to have games, and we get louder and louder and louder until you ain't hear nothing. And you'll see that mama slip up and slip out of that room. And you think, well, I wonder where she's going. She heard the baby cry. Well, I didn't hear no baby cry. You see, that mama heard the baby cry because that mama was tuned in to hearing the baby cry. Some of the reason we're not hearing from God is sometimes we're not tuned in to hear from God. We got so many things on our mind, we don't, we don't tune ourselves. I mean, when's the light? Do you hear the baby this morning? Can you hear what he's saying to you this morning? See, they had hope because they heard God's voice. Boy, I'm going to tell you, he's not a baby anymore. Let me just tell you this quickly. You're not going to hear from God unless you do four things. You better listen to me. Number one, you've got to be saved. If you're not saved, don't you think you're going to hear from God? Only thing you're going to hear from God is you need to be saved. Second thing is when you do get saved, if you want to continue to hear from God, don't you let unconfessed sin stand in your heart and your life. I'm not talking about telling the preacher nothing. I'm talking about getting on your face before God. There are folk in this building right now that one of the things that quenches the Holy Spirit is people have got hatred and people have got bitterness and people have got resentment and they sit here and we just smile and everything's fine. But the truth is, our insides are eating ourselves alive. And then thirdly is read the Word of God. And then lastly is fellowship with the Lord. What would your marriage be like if you never talked to your husband or wife? Hey, we're family. We're joint heir. We're children of the king. We've been adopted into the family of God. We need the fellowship. Let me give you the second thing. Mary and Isaiah were same persons here of great hope because not only did they hear the voice of God, they obeyed the voice of God. Not enough just to hear it. They obeyed it. The original New Testament Greek word here for faith is pistis, and it literally means believing obedience, not any of this cheap faith. Oh, yeah, all we got to do is believe in Jesus and then go on and live like we want to. No, that's not what the Scripture says. We come to Jesus Christ broken. We come to Jesus admitting we're a sinner, and we cannot save ourselves. And Jesus comes and says, listen, I know you can't save yourself, but if you'll turn from your wicked ways and believe on me, believing obedience on me, he said, I will save you through my blood. And that's the only way you're going to get to heaven. 
You're not going to get through it Oprah's way. You're not going to get through it Gary, Jerry Springer's way or, or anybody else's way. You're going to get through it the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the cross, or you're not going to get there. I think about this one simple statement. Oh, I wish I had time. Uh, blessings come after obedience. They don't come till you're obedient. I think about just off the top of my head I think about that woman that the prophet went to and and he said look uh, I'm hungry I've been traveling make me a cake she said sir I got enough meal and I got enough oil to make a cake for me and my son and then we're gonna lay down and die he said make me a cake first if she would have said oh no you ain't getting my cake now, the last thing my son and I are going to get to do is going to be able to eat this last meal together. She'd have died. But because she was obedient to God, there kept being more grain, and there kept being more oil, and the next day there was more grain, and the next day there was more oil. I think about that woman that had two sons. Her husband had been faithful to God, and he died. And they're coming to take the two sons into slavery there uh, because of financial conditions. I think she'd had the biggest garage sale that she'd ever had before in her life. Sold everything she had in her house. And she goes to, to try to talk with the man of God. And she said, could, could, could you help us out? And I think she was probably expecting that the church was going to give her some money. And you know what the prophet told her? He said, you go get some vessels, empty vessels. Take them to your house. I'll tell you what to do. Can you imagine her coming home? And there's those two young boys. Maybe that older boy said, Mama, did they give us enough money for maybe one of us to stay because if they did I'm the older one I'll go on and I'll go into slavery and you keep the young one here I, I'll do that and she said son you know your daddy loved God and he followed God and the prophet of God said for us to go out and collect empty vessels well that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life and yet they did it and the Bible says it kept flowing. Bring me another vessel. It kept flowing. Another vessel. It kept flowing. Until the Bible says every vessel was filled. What am I going to do, she said. The prophet said, you go sell it. And the Bible says that she paid her debt off for those two boys and lived on the rest of it the rest of her life. Now, if she'd have said, I ain't getting no vessels, you nut. She'd have lost both her boys. See, blessings come after obedience. I, I think about Naaman. <laughs> He's got leprosy. It don't get no worse than leprosy, guys. There's nothing any worse than leprosy. And his little maiden said, would to God you was over in my country. There's a man over there that could heal you. And he said, well, let's go. They go over there. The man of God don't even come out to the gate to welcome him. He said, tell him to go down and duck seven times in the Jordan River. 
And you read the word of God. The guy says, we got a whole lot cleaner rivers over where I come from than what they got over here. This is not right. This is crazy. And the maiden said, sir, if he told you to do something great, you'd be doing it. He told you to go duck in, in the Jordan River. Can you imagine? This is crazy. One, crazy. Two, crazy. Three, it had to get crazier and crazier. I imagine maybe some of his men. <laughs> but Bible says when he went down that seventh time, he come up, his flesh was like a baby's flesh. You see, you never get the miracle. You never get the blessing until after you've been obedient. I, I could sit here all night. I could talk about Jesus feeding 5,000 with one lunch. I could talk about the man at the Salome, uh, Salome pool. I could talk about, can you imagine that people? I got to hurry. That, that people, when that guy tore off that roof, you sitting here and you start hearing things hit you in the head and you look up there and all you see is eight of them beady eyes looking down from the roof up there and he lets that thing all the way down and Jesus said, rise up and walk and he said, I ain't getting up nothing. I've been in bed all my life. He'd have never got the miracle. He got the miracle because he was obedient. I got, I got hurry. Let me give you the last thing. Mary and Isaiah were people of great hope because they trusted God's power. They trusted the power of God. Let, let me tell you something. There's nothing too hard for our God. Nothing too hard. I, I don't have time to tell this illustration. Let me just get out of the other. Linus. All right, you asked for it. <laughs> It was a Mississippi boat guy and captain for 35 years, and he was there, been running the boat, and one of the guys said, hey, I bet you know where all the shallow spots are, and I bet you know where all the rocks are and all that. And he said, no, sir, I don't know where any of them are. He said, but I do know where the deep water is. Now, let me tell you something this morning. There are going to be tribulations. We're going to bury Shirley Stouse tomorrow during Christmas. We buried Ken Jones yesterday during Christmas. There are going to be trials. There are going to be tribulations. There are going to be things that come against us. And I want to tell you, get out of the shallow water and get out in the deep with the Lord. Because I want to tell you, he'll see us through. He'll see us through. Their hope was not in, in man. Their hope was not in the government. Their hope was in God. Some of you remember years ago, Terry Anderson. He was a, a, a correspondent Middle East and got uh, kidnapped in Beirut. And, of course, when you do anything spiritual with the news, even 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they want to shoot that off as fast as they can. And so he was released in Christmas of 1991, 92, somewhere in there like that. And they come, and the reporters all lined up. They're ready to get a spicy story, story out of here, you know, and build this thing up. The first reporter said, how did you survive this awful experience? Without hesitation, he said, my faith, my companions, and my trust in the Lord. Well, that ain't what news people want to hear. They want to hear the grit, and the dirt. The second reporter said, Terry, you've said you don't hate your captors. We don't understand that. He said, well, it's real simple to understand. I'm a Christian. The scriptures teach us to forgive. I don't hate anybody. 
Mm. The third reporter said, Terry, did you ever lose hope? Terry said, almost. But he said, I was blessed. As soon as I went into captivity, a Bible fell into my hands. And he said, I've spent the last six years getting to know the Lord better than I've ever known him in my life. They cut that interview off. They don't want you to know things like that. I love that Peanuts cartoon. Linus is the statistician for the ball team of Charlie Brown. He comes in to give him the final report. And Linus said, in 12 games, we almost scored a run. (laughs) In nine games, the other team almost didn't score before the first out. In right field, Lucy almost caught three balls. And once, Lucy almost made the right play. He said, Charlie Brown, we led the league in almost. (laughs) Almost. Yeah, that's the way a lot of people are with obeying God's call. I just remind you this morning, don't want to be mad, don't want to be, don't you get mad at me, but I'm just telling you, Partial obedience is disobedience. You say, I almost. We used to sing, we don't do it anymore, it's just too depressing. Almost persuaded now to believe. Almost persuaded Christ to receive. Seems now some soul to say, go spirit, go thy way. Some more convenient day on thee I'll call. And that second verse gives some hope. And it says, almost persuaded, come, come today. Almost persuaded, turn not away. Jesus invites you here. Angels are lingering near. Prayers rise from hearts so dear. Oh, wanderer, come. That last verse. Almost persuaded, harvest is past. Almost persuaded, doom comes at last. Almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad, that bitter well. Almost. But lost. Can you hear the baby this morning? He's not a baby anymore. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's speaking. I want to tell you there are folk in this church this morning that God's already told you weeks ago what you needed to do. And you've almost done it. You've almost, I hear you all the time, almost preach. We're almost ready to join. We're almost ready to commit. We're almost ready to do this. Listen, I think the word this morning is get that almost out of your hand and let's live for God now. Let's serve the Lord now. Father, we're great. We're grateful. I'm grateful, Lord, that you've let us go through another worship service and hadn't come for us. You've given men, women, children, young people another opportunity to be saved, to join this church, to get their hearts right with you, to come to this altar and pray.
Lord, you've given us another opportunity. I pray now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you reach down and that people could hear your voice and that they would obey your voice. And they'll say, Lord, if I did that, this might happen. Lord, when we hear you and when we obey you, then we trust you. You have your way. Oh, maybe we do like Mary. Say, I'm nothing but a little servant of the lowest estate. But Lord, you do to me whatever you want to do. You do with me what you want me to do. You send me where you want me to go. We'll praise your holy name in Jesus' name. Would you stand together?